We so thank you for joining us at Connections Podcast. We, as educators of human connection, invite and encourage healing and facilitate personal growth through impeccable honesty, rigorous personal responsibility, and vulnerable humility. We invite everyone who's interested in gaining greater connection with oneself, others, and God to continue on your educational road to happiness and joy through our simple yet life-changing three-step curriculum. First, search our library for personal learning, podcasts, videos, and workbooks. Second, register with our classroom for familial, parental, expert, and business classes. And third, join our community for personal coaching and group practicums. Thank you again and enjoy our podcast. What I'd like to talk about this morning is how to confront a loved one. This is something that I deal with on a daily basis. Uh, I want to say that um, probably 80% of my practice in some way or another is helping people on one side of that conflict or the other side um, interact with each other in a healthy manner. Because um, obviously if you're in therapy, there's some kind of conflict going on. It's either an internal conflict or Um, uh, it's being created by an external source, but there's conflict happening. And so few of us know how to manage conflict appropriately. And so when it comes to someone you love, someone that you're friends with, someone that's important to you, um, even though it might not even be an intimate relationship, it might be a coworker. Um, there is a way to confront, um, and there's a way not to confront. Um, and so, though I'm very aware that every situation is different as far as the setting, as far as the ages of the people and the actual confrontation, like the, the acting out of the person, all those kind of things are different. However, when it comes to confronting, um, uh, every situation is um different, but it's not unique. And what I mean by that is that it's not unique because, you know, there's been billions of people on the planet and other people have gone through similar, um, confrontations. And like I said, maybe the setting is different, but there's certain components that all, um, that always present themselves in any kind of conflict. And so at the base of the conflict, these principles will always, always be present. And that's why um, I can speak to how to heal a conflict without even knowing what the conflict is, because they will always have um, um, evidences of specific principles that are, that are being acted out. And that's what I want to go over with you. Um, you know, today I was... Uh, working at my office, and I think there were about four different um, units, like family units uh, slash couples, that came in that were in some kind of conflict, and all of them had uh, the same foundation. (laughs) And oftentimes when I'm running groups, you know, part of the reason a group is so powerful is because 
Other members of the group can say, oh my gosh, you sound like me. I, I feel that same way. How is it that my situation is, you know, it's about my daughter and she's 14 and she's being belligerent and your situation's about your husband and um, he's uh, not being honest with you and he's, um, you know, uh, uh, not being forthcoming about where he's at in the evening. How can our situations look so different but be so similar? And the reason that is is because, like I said, all of conflict has at the center of it the same components that are actually creating the conflict. So again, though I know every situation is different, not every situation is unique. And so I want you to, to think about that, that you are not a unique soul on the planet. And um, one of the problems is when we go into believing that my situation is unique or different, um, we become part of the problem <laughs> in the conflict because we believe that no one has ever experienced this before. Like my situation is different than everyone else's. And that is actually very problematic, and it, it creates more conflict instead of actually being a part of the solution. So um, every, situ every situation has um, the following things. It has, A, someone who is acting out, so an individual who needs to be intervened on, okay? So, again, I want to just, on the front end, say that there's lots and lots of different conflicts from really mild conflicts to really intense, like someone's threatening to kill themselves conflicts and everything else in between. All right. And these principles will apply. If you will learn them, they will apply to any type of conflict. So there's always an individual who needs to be intervened on or one who is doing the acting out or um, the, the inappropriate behavior, uh, the person who I deem or others deem or agree with me that is out of control. Um, and then to what degree they're out of control is uh, to the degree that I react to them. That makes sense. So if someone is uh, sneaking out of their, their room at night, I've got a teenager that sneaks out of the bedroom at night, um, and I know she's going next door to a girlfriend's house, that is creating a conflict. However, it is not to the degree, because I know the parents of the girl, and I know the girl, <clears throat> and um, I don't get a sense, or, uh, or maybe I have enough confidence that they're not engaging in real destructive behavior. So even though there is a conflict, and there is lying and hiding going on, I don't have the same kind of reaction that I would if uh, she were sneaking out and meeting, um, you know, her boyfriend or her drug dealer or, uh, you know, some stranger is picking her up in a car at night. I will have a very different reaction and thus the conflict will rise in my mind to involve a, a greater reaction. Okay, that's, that's person number A, okay? Person number B is the, inner, is the individual who um, desires or needs to intervene on person number A. So um, those are the people or myself 
that say there's a problem, there's a conflict, um, this person's acting out of control. And usually people become scared because of person A's acting out behavior. And then they become reactionary, usually, to their behavior. And what I'm hoping is to be able to give you some principles so that instead of you reacting to your daughter slipping out of her bedroom window at night, you become um, responsive, that you respond through conscientious and thoughtful um, um, manners or behaviors so that you're not reacting just as she's reacting. So um, this dynamic... Um, has and does repeat itself, uh, you know, just billions of times in, in our um, in our world. You know, there's there's a conflict, and so um, regardless of someone's age or socioeconomic or culture or language or gender, no one is immune to going into conflict. And some of us have been on both sides of conflict. Or some of us have exclusively been on one side um, or exclusively on the other side. Yet we all realize and recognize that conflict um, will, um, will create uh, issues that need to be addressed. So anytime there's a conflict, there are issues or there is an issue that must be confronted. Okay? So... Conflict is not a bad or scary or wrong thing. It is a human thing. Like I said, every day <laughs> there are billions of conflicts going on. And um, we get to address them. But for most of us, or many of us, we become scared or reactionary, and so we try to not address them. But every one of us who's listening to this understands that they've had conflict, understands that they've been on one side or the other of that conflict, and probably many of us who are listening are um, maybe still confused about what happened years ago or what's happening currently in this conflict. Um, but realize that there are issues that need to be confronted. And so if the issues are not confronted, the conflict will not ever go away. It will not ever go away. It will only, or those, con or those issues will only be subverted or denied or uh, pushed down or ignored, but they do not go away. And so I am very interested in helping you actually heal the issues in your conflicts so that they actually can be addressed and they can really be acknowledged and, and truly um, uh, uh, absorb, like disappear, uh, so they don't come back up at a later time. So for some of us, um, we know the conflict and um, we don't know how to confront it, okay? So this is, I, I want to shift into how we as people typically address conflict. So there's, there's two different ways. Um, some of us feel the conflict, see the conflict, but don't know how to, how to confront it. So it's like, um, let's, see, let's say I uh, walk into a store and someone um, runs out of the store and they've got a six-pack in their hand and um, you understand that they are stealing and in your head you say, don't get involved. 
Okay. Um, it's not about right or wrong. It, it's probably more of kind of deer in the headlights. I don't know what to do. I know what's happening. I know that th that's inappropriate. I see the store clerk running after this person, but I don't know how to confront it. Okay. Um, and for, for those of us that show up that way in conflicts, we will have conflict go on the rest of our life. Um, whether I'm the one creating the conflict, which by the way, you will always be on one side of that spectrum um, where you're creating conflict because there's no way to not create conflict, okay? Um, some of us are more belligerent about creating the conflict than others, uh, but we, we will always be on both sides of that spectrum at some point or another. And our goal, I would assume, is to become really conscientious so that we create as little of conflict as possible um, for ourselves and other people. But if I don't know how to deal with conflict and I don't want to address issues and I like to ignore them and deny them away, then I will have that kind of um, energy following me for my lifetime. And when I ignore conflict, either in my own body, like my own emotional or physical or uh, um, social conflict, then it only gets worse. It, it, it's like it, it creates a, a life of its own, which is really confusing for me because I think, hey, I'm ignoring this. How come it's getting worse? Um, which then will create um, my codependency to become really... Um, um, exaggerated because if I'm not willing to address my conflict I start becoming addicted um, codependency is a addictive behavior and so remember addiction the whole function of addiction is to alter my mood change my experience not feel the emotions that I'm currently having uh, because I don't want them. So I engage in addictive behavior or I engage in addictive substance because then I won't have to feel the conflict. And so trying to avoid conflict doesn't work and it just creates more conflict because now I start having addictive behaviors. Um, now a lot of times um, for those of us that are afraid or confused how to deal with conflict, it's cre being created because I'm afraid. Um, or I am uneducated or I have some kind of confusion and usually it's a combination of all three of those fear uneducated and confused and so what I mean by that is that if I don't understand what's happening then it's really easy to feel afraid fear oftentimes comes because I don't know what this is and so instead of learning about whatever it is I just react and feel afraid okay and that will um, ensure that the conflict will continue because uh, it's something that's unmanageable for me. And um, when I say unmanageable, it means I don't know what to deal with it. It's out of control. And so I try to just ignore it. But if I do that, I will ensure that it will never leave and um, I will be feeding it because I'm not willing to address it or slash I don't know how to address it. And that will be being driven because of my fear of not knowing how to address it or my fear that they're going to dislike me or my fear that they're going to be angry with me and or um, my confusion of I just don't know what to do. So I hope that that's clear to you. 
I hope that I've explained that in very clear ways that if you want to heal conflict, you cannot ignore it. Let me repeat that again for anyone who is in denial. <laughs> if there is conflict in your life, whether it's inside your own self with you or whether you're in conflict or someone's in conflict with you, you cannot eradicate conflict by ignoring it. It will create a life of its own and it will become more exaggerated, more verbal, and you will have more and more consequences as a result of you ignoring it. That is a promise that will happen. It may be subtle at first, and those will be the outcomes. So that is not a threat from me. That is just the unequivocal truth about um, not being willing to deal with the issues that are in your life. Um, and like I said, those kind of issues, when you try to ignore them, will create addictive behaviors, obsessive compulsive behaviors. So, um, so the, the loved one, so here I am and I'm in a conflict with my loved one or someone that's important to me. And those, that person will do one of two things, okay? Um, actually, let me, let me flip it the other direction. Um, I, I am the one that is having a conflict, either with myself or someone else. And I will do one of two things with this person, okay? Um, I will either join that person in their massive disconnect, okay? I will go into denial with them. I will acknowledge that... Um, this isn't that big of a deal. Um, I'll try to uh, justify, minimize, rationalize what they're doing because I want to join them in their disconnect because it appears easier to join them in the disconnect than it does to confront them. Or I will do number two. I will look on to their life or into their life in horror. I'll feel shocked as to, quote unquote, how can they do this kind of a thing. It's like, what in the world is going on? Okay, so I either will join them in the disconnect, join them in the denial, join them in the rationalization of what they're doing, minimize their behavior, or I will look on and be shocked and mystified as to how they can be so disconnected, okay? So that's, that's the person that is not doing the acting out. It's the person that is... Um, wanting to confront them, I'll either show up in one of those two ways. Now the person who's acting out, who's causing, who's showing up in this out of control behavior will grow increasingly more numb, disconnected, which allows them to um, engage in more and more egregious behaviors. So hopefully that makes sense to you. I, the person who is acting out in whatever way, you know, with drugs or alcohol or sex or um, lying or keeping secrets or anger or um, um, whatever it is, whatever I'm acting out with, stealing. The more that I do this, the more numb that I become, which creates disconnect. Disconnect from what? Disconnect from reality, disconnect from honesty, disconnect from, from your loved ones, disconnect from being accountable, 
disconnect from being humble, all those things that actually keep you well and healthy and connected, the person who's acting out, in their acting out behavior, they feel more and more shame. Now, if you don't know the word shame, I'm not going to explain it here because it's quite detailed. Please go and listen to the podcasts that have shame in the title. You need to learn about shame because shame is at the epicenter of all disconnect. Shame is at the epicenter of the issues that are found inside conflicts. And so you have to understand what shame is, uh, your own shame and someone else's shame, so that you can be um, educated in such a way to help them and also respond appropriately to, to yourself and to the other person. Okay, so you've got a person who's acting out, and the more they act out, the more they feel shame, they feel bad about who they are, um, what it means, like, I go and I get drunk, and that means I'm no good. I um, cheat on my spouse, and that means I'm unworthy. And those things are lies. The truth is, is that my behavior is egregious, and I need to take responsibility and clean it up and be honest about what I've done. And, and, and go through a process of restitution and repentance to make things right with myself, with um, the other person, and if you believe in a higher power or a God. And the other person is, is either joining you in that disconnect, is either joining you, drinking with you, um, minimizing your acting out behavior, um, because <laughs> one, they feel fear, Two, they don't know what in the heck's going on, and so they think that if they just uh, connect with you like this, then maybe they can convince you to stop. But when people um, do, number one, which is join the person in their massive disconnect, when they do, number one, and join them in that acting out, they do stuff like this. They go into just massive amounts of denial. And I'm actually going to do another podcast next week on denial and how denial leads to enabling behavior and juxtapose for you the difference between mercy and justice and how, um, how uh, enabling or going into denial um, contradicts or violates justice and mercy, okay? So I go into all this massive denial uh, by justifying, rationalizing, compartmentalizing, making excuses for them. I minimize, and this is often done unconsciously, just so you know. People aren't just consciously like, yeah, it's fine for you to go cheat on your wife. I don't have a problem with that. But what typically what they're trying to do is say, well, if I cause them to be angry, then they'll keep doing that kind of behavior. So if I just um, make them think that I'm okay with this, or if I um, make it less to me than what it really is, then maybe they'll stop. Or maybe I, I you know, don't really want to see what a serious thing this is, because if I do, then I'll have to do something about it. <laughs> So a lot of times this is done in unconsciousness. Um, most times it is. Um, and the reason people are unconscious is because oftentimes they're trying to avoid uh, the person's upset, the person's wrath, you know, their threats. That's what they're trying to avoid. 
Um, or people go into that because they feel a lot of shame themselves. They feel a lot of responsibility for the other person's choices. Like maybe, um, maybe I had an affair two years ago. And so now that my spouse is having an affair, it feels justifiable because I did that to her or he did that to me. Um, but again, you know, <laughs> that, that's not real clear logic. Uh, it's not all right to um, engage in egregious behavior that is hurtful and destructive just because somebody else did. But it's amazing how many people will justify that kind of behavior because they have shame around something that they haven't really cleaned up or they don't really have a lot of clarity around. Um, you know, a lot of parents feel shame. They'll say it's guilt, but really it's shame. Like if they get divorced and their kids acting out and they're out of control, a lot of parents will say, well, you know, I kind of caused this because I got divorced from their father or their mother. And so I feel badly, but this is kind of par for the course. It's kind of like their behavior. Like that's kind of what they believe. And it's like, um, no, <laughs> that that's not okay. Yes, I understand you got divorced. And I understand that they went through some hardships and welcome to life. You know, nobody goes by in childhood without being banged around a bit. And, um, you know, it's not meant to hurt you. It's meant to actually to refine you. And so no one has permission to be destructive towards self or another person um, in the spirit of bad things happen to me. Um, so let's go back to what I was talking about before. There's, there's two positions. Number one is I join the person in massive disconnect. And number two is I look on in horror, Okay. When people go into number two, which is looking on in horror and being shocked about how they can do this, they also have denial, but not as much as the number ones do. They are mostly confused <laughs> by their behavior, and they don't know how to interpret it. It's not rational. They look at it and go, what are they thinking? How could they do this? I'm so confused, I can't follow their thinking. And that's typically where the number twos go. They want to do something, but they just don't know what to do. So they often will align with them and just intuitively do what feels loving, like give them money. Um, um, also, like I said, they go into denial. They minimize their behavior, but to their face, they minimize their behavior. But when they're away from the person, they go back to horrified and shocked. Um, but when they're with the person, they don't want to upset them. And so they um, tiptoe around the person because the person, in, you know, that is acting out is um, manipulating and threatening and, um, you know, lying and causing, quote unquote, them to feel certain emotions because they're just um, exploiting the dynamic. And so it's very destructive when you have a system, you know, a family system or a dynamic with um, a friend or with somebody at work or, or whoever. And the system is split. So what that means is you have some people who are going into the one position, which is they join the person in their massive disconnect. And then you have some people who are going into the two positions. <laughs> and when that happens, the person who's acting out or is in conflict cannot be adequately supported because they will always take the path of least resistance, which will always be number one, always. They want to interact with people who will go into denial with them. 
and all of you, the person who's acting out, and you who goes in and joins them, all of you will be um, being manipulated and split. Okay? So when I say manipulated and split, again, I'm not talking about both parties are being conscious of doing this. Both parties are typically not conscious of doing this. And it's not until you get educated and you start teaching or someone teaches you what's actually happening can the person or you take responsibility for what you're actually doing. You're just reacting. So the person who is acting out, their whole goal is to stay in hiding. They have engaged in some kind of behavior or they've had something done unto them, some kind of trauma that has caused emotion. And the emotion is so uncomfortable that they don't want to deal with it. The reality of whatever has happened to them or whatever they chose and the consequences followed, whatever that reality is, is so uncomfortable that they don't want to deal with it. Deal with it. And so they go into this acting out behavior. And as they're acting out, they feel some kind of reprieve because they go numb. Now, the rest of us who are onlookers start feeling this conflict and start getting really concerned about them. But if we go into the one position, which is where we join them in this massive disconnect, then we will be being manipulated by them. And we're manipulating them as well. So nobody's getting helped. In fact, everybody in that dynamic is being hurt. Um, because you are enabling and engaging in the lying and supporting the lying and the manipulating and the secrecy and the irresponsibility to continue because you're not confronting it. Okay? Okay, so just to make clear, when you join them, you hurt that person. Um... But, uh, it, it, you know, your hurting of them will not look like it's hurting. It's not like you can see them hurting because it will be very hidden and camouflaged because the person will want to be around you. They love being around number ones because they feel understood. <laughs> they feel like um, you get it. Um, they will try to convince you that you are the nice one and that the others are really mean and unloving and unsympathetic and they don't get it. You'll feel like um, you have an in with them when in reality they're just manipulating you because they will always be um, lying. They're, they're not going to just stop lying because you join them in the disconnect. But you'll think that you can help them from that position. But I'm telling you, I'm, 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 I'm I, I want to say warning. I'm, I'm trying to be really clear with you. You will not be helpful. You will be a distraction and a hindrance if you go in there in disconnect. Because they will always feel comfortable around you in their disconnect. And in that way, you'll be harming them. Because you will allow them to, one, not be responsible, two, not be honest with what they're doing, and, and three, not be humble about who they're affecting and how they're affecting. So those three characteristics I just mentioned, no responsibility, no honesty, and a, an inability to humble or be transparent or be vulnerable. Those characteristics, responsible, humble, honest, are the three characteristics that will heal the human soul. Okay? 
those characteristics are the only way for someone to heal from any and all acting out behavior. The only way. I want to say that again. Because we are um, souls, okay? We're not just a brain running around. We have a soul inside of our body. And our souls know what is right and what is wrong. We all know that when we gossip about somebody that that could hurt their feelings. We know that's wrong. We all know that when we hit somebody that that causes pain. We all know that stealing is inappropriate. We know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And so our spirits know that we need to be honest. They also know that we are responsible for our, ourselves. We're responsible for our thoughts, our feelings, and our choices. We're also responsible for the outcomes that those choices create. And we also know that it is our, um, our responsibility to be humble, to be teachable, to be open. Now, I understand that there's millions, if not billions, of us running around that don't espouse to those principles. And what I'm telling you in my practice, what I have realized is that every single being, regardless of, of uh, the characteristics of age or religion or gender or belief system, every single person understands that it is their, um, their, their obligation to show up and be honest. It is also their obligation to be responsible for themselves and to act in a humble, uh, vulnerable manner. Yet, um, we will do all of, you know, so, so if I'm not willing to show up in those ways, I will do everything in my power to convince you that, um, that I'm not responsible for my life. I'm not responsible for my feelings or my choices or the outcomes. I'm not responsible for what it is that I choose. Okay. When I'm in acting out behavior, those three things, being responsible, honest, and humble, I will try desperately to convince you that I'm not responsible for those things. That I am a victim of my circumstance. And I will try to convince you that you must understand um, that, that it's not my fault. Um, and here's where you, who's on the other side of the conflict, must understand shame. Because if you do not understand shame, you are going to get so lost in what this person's doing. Because that presentation of victim coming at you, that's victim. I'm not responsible. That's victim. If a person is in victim and they cannot get out because they don't know how to take responsibility for themselves, and you don't understand that that's what's going on, then you will unconsciously, inadvertently keep supporting them in that destructive role of, I'm not culpable. I don't have any accountability. Life is mean to me. These things always happen. You did this. I didn't. And on and on and on. And they will be stuck there for the rest of their breathing days. So you've got to get educated or you will end up being a sucker in their distorted reality. Um, the next thing you need to do uh, is try to get everybody on the same page. If you're in a system, like a family system, or, you know, maybe you're trying to confront a friend. Try to get as many people as possible on the same page, okay, with you. If you cannot get everyone on the same page, then the ones that are number twos who are willing to hold them accountable no matter what. Remember, number twos are the people who are looking on in horror. 
but they don't know what to do, okay? Twos are usually willing to confront people if they understand what they need to do. So get as many of the twos together and um, get educated. Like, decide that no matter what, you're going to hold this person accountable. But together, get educated and then buckle up, my friends, because you're going to be in for a very, very bumpy ride. If you try to get people together who have who, who are doing the ones, which is I'm in massive disconnect, um, <laughs> it's like filling up a bathtub and having somebody keep pulling the drain on you. That's what ones do. You're all working together to fill the tub, and number one comes in there and pulls the plug and says, you know what, I think it's better that we just don't confront them. Or this is really going to upset them. And they keep, uh, um, 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 I just lost the word, sabotaging. They keep sabotaging the interventions because their fear or their shame is so great that they're more concerned about how they're going to be um, how, how they're going to be seen or how they're going to feel than they are really concerned for the person who's uh, acting out and who is out of control. That really is the truth because I don't want to confront them because then it's going to feel uncomfortable for me. Now, they usually don't see it that way. They usually see it as it'll cause upset for the other person and so I don't want to confront. But really, it's when that person is upset, then they're going to be upset with me and I'm going to be uncomfortable. So let's just not do it. So don't try to rally number ones together. Let number ones do whatever they want. Get your number twos together and um, talk to them about, we've got to get educated and figure out what's going on here. And no matter what, we're going to stay together. Now, the person who's acting out will do certain things. Always. You ready? They will always not account for themselves. Okay? You've got to remember that. Uh, they will, number two, they will compulsively lie. And um, they will not be humble or open or honest. Those three things, humble, open, and honest, they ain't. So they will not be accountable for themselves. They'll blame everyone else. They'll lie compulsively. And they will not be humble or vulnerable or open. So therefore, you must, must, must model those three characteristics for them. That is what they need. Because remember, those characteristics are the things that actually create health. For every single soul, it doesn't matter who you are, every single soul will heal if they are willing to live those three principles. It's kind of like if I have a common cold, it doesn't matter when I'm born, how old I am, how many kids I have, where I live, it doesn't matter. The same antidote will heal my cold as it will heal anyone else's cold anywhere else in the world if they have the same cold, okay? That's what this is. Confrontation, issues inside confrontation are the same issues. It's I refuse to take accountability. I want to blame other people. I'm a victim of life or my circumstances. Okay? Those will always be at the, at the center of a conflict. Um, what also will be at the center is I have a right to act this way. It's not my fault. Um, this person did this to me. Because of this, I have a right to. 
Those kind of statements are all wrapped up around the victim mentality. Victim will always be at the center of the conflict. Okay? So you, who are the person on the other side of the conflict who's trying to help them, must, must, must model that, that those three characteristics of honest, responsible, humble um, to this person and don't deviate. Because they need your emotional honesty. And I really mean that. I mean, when I say need, I'm, they need it like, like breath. They need your emotional honesty. They need invitations from you to ask them to be responsible. They need to know that you are vulnerable and they need invitations for them to be vulnerable and humble. So those three care, <clears throat> excuse me. Those three characteristics um, look like this, okay? I say things like this. When I'm in emotional honesty and I'm inviting someone to be responsible and humble, um, I invite them to be vulnerable and I validate them. So here's what I can say. I can say, when you... Um, when you say that you hate me, I feel sad. So the sentence stem is, when you fill in what they did, then I feel, fill in, fill, fill in what you feel. <laughs> so when you, um, um, when you get angry by me confronting you around stealing money out of my purse, I feel insulted, I feel hurt, I feel used. Okay, that's honest. You are modeling honesty for them when you do that. Another way that you can model honesty and responsibility is when you say, help me understand why you stole the money out of my purse. That's inviting them to be responsible. Help me understand why you stole the money out of my purse. You're not saying, I can't believe you stole the money out of my purse. You're saying, help me understand why you did that. And when you say that to them, you're inviting them to be honest, but you're also inviting them to be responsible. So uh, don't be afraid of the person. Because if you feel fear or you feel shame, then you're going to get manipulated. Uh, remember that um, they're emotionally numb. But also realize that their shame has a hold over them. And so anything you say to them, they will misinterpret. Um, and um, anything you say that doesn't benefit them, they will misinterpret. <laughs> so be ready to be honest with them and reframe the things that you said. So what I mean by that is because these people are still trying to hide themselves emotionally, and because they don't feel real deep feelings, because they've numbed them out by all their behavior, um, they have a lot of shame over what they've done. They feel bad about who they are. So that shame is dictating things inside their head, saying things like, you don't matter, you're not enough, you're no good, nobody will love you, you can't, you can't fix this, this is always going to be um, you know, the reality. Those kind of absolutes. Shame also says things like, you deserve better, I can't believe they're treating you like this, or you don't have to sit here and take that, or um, they don't love you, okay? It, it speaks in, in thousands of different ways. 
but it's always attacking the being. It either attacks the being who's having the conflict or it tells you to attack the people who are trying to address the conflict, okay? So those of you who are trying to address it, you've got to be sensitive that this person is loaded with shame. So they're numb and they hear their shame. And so anything that you say that does not benefit them in their interpretation, benefit them, they're going to react and they're going to not hear it clearly. So make sure that when they distort what you said, that you say to them, you know what, I actually didn't say that. What I wanted you to hear was this. So ask them as you're talking to them, ask them, say things like, what did you hear me say? That's an invitation for them to be responsible for what they heard and be honest about what they heard. And then if they get it, get it wrong or they don't get it accurate of what you actually said, then you can say, I'm sorry that you heard that. What I wanted you to hear was this. So it's an act of validation. I'm sorry you heard that. That's validating. And what I wanted you to hear was this is the part that's honest. So what you're doing is you're always being honest with them with a mixture of validating them. Okay? So when you're honest with them, you're also inviting them into being responsible. And when you validate them, you're inviting them into being humble. Those characteristics are what heals someone. Now, when I say heal someone, I'm not talking about that you're going to go in and do this and all of a sudden the person is going to get healed. What I mean by that is that if there's any way for a person to get out of this conflict, get out of this shame, get out of these lies and these issues that they seem to just keep perpetuating, the only way that they can get out is they must interact with people who are willing to confront their behavior, their behavior, not attack them for who they are, like, like you're, you're such a fool, or I can't believe you did this, or, you know, what, what were you thinking? That kind of stuff goes nowhere. It actually adds more shame, and the person will stop talking to you, if not ever be around you again. But if you are willing to confront their behavior in honesty, they more so than likely will stay and listen to you. Now, they may run off for a couple hours or a couple days or maybe a couple months, but when they are willing to get honest about what they're doing, they will come back to the person or people who have been honest with them. And honest does not mean enabling. Honest means that you tell them the truth about their behavior and how their behavior has affected them and that you're validating. People would call validation loving, but loving is too broad. You've got to validate. You have to say, I'm so sorry that this is hard for you. And if you don't understand what validation is, which a lot of people don't, then go to the podcast. I've got several podcasts on validation. Listen to them. Learn how to validate. It is imperative that you learn how to validate if you're going to confront because people will not listen to you if they do not feel safe. Even if they have done something super inappropriate, like let's say you find out that um, you know, your, your child, your grown child uh, embezzled a bunch of money and you want to knock them upside the head, like what are you thinking? If you do not validate their emotion and, and try to understand how they got there, then you will be no good in helping them heal um, how they got there and helping them out of the situation. You must 
join them in their emotion and validate their experience. And again, if you do not know what that means or how to do it, listen to the validations. There's several podcasts on validation. Go look them up and go listen to them. Validation sounds like this. I'm sorry that this is going on. I feel badly that you, that you are in this situation. Um, I can't imagine having these experiences. You're validating the emotion that the person's feeling. You are not agreeing with what they've done. You don't support what it is that they um, have, you know, like how they've acted out. You're just saying, I understand how you feel. And because we've all lived, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, we all get certain emotions. There's not an emotion on the planet that by the time I'm 10, I haven't felt. So you are, you are connecting with the emotion, not what it is that they did. So another point, don't allow the person who's acting out to dictate the reality to you. Because remember, they're in distortion. They're numb. Their reality is totally screwed up. So don't allow them to dictate the reality or what you feel or what you said. Okay? Always reframe back to the person um, what was the actual meaning, not their warped interpretation of the meaning. So if I say, um, I'm really confused as to why you did that, and they say, yeah, I know, you think I'm an idiot. And it's like, wait a minute, I didn't say that. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you did. You said you're really confused about why I did that. And what you mean is I'm an idiot. It's like, no, no, I didn't say you're an idiot. I am confused as to why you did that. I am curious about that. Could you explain it to me? See, that's a, confu that's a, that's a misinterpretation of what you said. So don't just allow them to dictate the reality of what you mean or what your reality is. Always reframe it back into, um, you know, what you want them to hear, not what they interpret you saying. Um, if you don't do this with validation and you're not being honest, um, you're going to feel like, so. For, I'm sorry, if, like when you do this, when you confront them, and you confront them in, in honesty and, and you validate and you're really clear and direct about how they're affecting you and you share that with them, not in aggression but in assertion, chances are you're going to feel like um, you've lost them or that they're so upset you're never going to get them back or that you've pushed them over the edge. That is typically what happens when someone gets confronted because they get super upset. Why are they getting upset? Because the truthfulness of what you're saying, and if you do it in love and validation, is so powerful that it hits their shame, it hits the lies inside of their system that they've been trying to tell themselves, it hits their denial in such a way that it angers them, or it, it causes, quote-unquote, them to react, or to blame you, and they get real demonstrative, possibly. Or maybe they get real passive and say, I'm going to go kill myself. You know, life isn't worth living, so I'm just going to go take my life. Or maybe they say, you know, this isn't possible. I've just disappointed you too much, and so I'll just go away and never see you. So both of those presentations, the real aggressive presentation and the real passive-aggressive presentation, are all things, are all manifestations of their shame. And you're going to think, oh my gosh, I did that to them because I was too honest, too honest. But here's the truth. You ready? The truth, honesty, asking someone to be responsible for themselves cannot hurt them. It cannot hurt them. Truth 
cannot hurt a person. The reason why the person is upset is because the truth is hitting their lie. And they're now in an internal conflict and they have to decide, am I going to follow the lies that I've, that I've been spewing to myself or am I going to follow the truth of what's just been shared with me? about how I'm hurting my family and how I'm affecting my mother or how, I, how I'm affecting my, my spouse or what I've done to my children. If you do not share that kind of information with the person, they will never come to that conclusion on their own. Even though you say, my gosh, don't they get that they're hurting? Don't they get that they're causing all this pro these problems? Don't they understand that, that I can't sleep at night? Don't they appreciate how much stress they're causing? The answer is no, they don't. And as much as you want to sit there and boohoo about yourself and how much you can't believe they don't get it, they don't get it because they are numb. They are not feeling what they're doing to themselves or someone else. And that's why, if not intervened on, it will never stop. An addict does not wake up one day and say, oh, I think I'm going to stop today. They have to have some kind of intervention. And sometimes the intervention is jail. Sometimes the intervention is um, they have a heart attack and they're laying on the emergency room table. Sometimes they've been beaten to a pulp by a bunch of pimps and they wake up going, oh my gosh, what just happened? But some type of experience has to come and intervene on their life in such a way that reality is so stark to them that they say, oh my goodness, I want to stop. So I want you to hear what I just said. The person must have an intervention where the reality of that intervention is so clear to them that they say to themselves, the benefits of acting out do not outweigh the benefits of being numb. The, the benefits have shifted in the dynamic now. The outcomes or consequences of being numb are far greater than the benefits of being numb. And you, as the person who loves them, can facilitate that if you will hold boundaries and you will be clear with the person about how they're behaving and not just once and not just twice, but every time you see them. Share with them, I love you, I care about you, you're important to me, and you need to understand, here's how you're affecting me. Now, I share that and want you to understand that this is still up to them. They still have choice. This is not something that you intervene on and then all of a sudden, if you do it right, then they turn around and they make different choices. You could intervene for weeks, for months, for years and keep confronting this issue and they could still use their free agency and not change. And if there's any way possible for them to change, this is the only way that someone can turn around and come back the other direction. They must have reality presented to them. And like I said, whether it's you are intervening or whether it's some natural um, disaster that happens in their life that intervenes, but they must have some kind of experience 
that, you know, we've heard the term hit rock bottom. Well, the truth is, there really isn't a rock bottom until you're dead. And for some people, they don't stop until they're dead. And who knows, maybe they're still acting out in, in uh, you know, their next phase of existence. Who knows? But for most people, there will be some kind of intervention, whether it be um, a natural intervention or a contrived intervention, um, that will wake them up in such a way that they will say, I'm done. I'm done with this conflict. I'm done with this addiction. I'm done with using people. I'm done with lying. I'm done with hiding. I'm done. That is the only thing that can heal them. So this is not about you making them happy or making them like you or making sure that they don't get upset. That's not what this is about. Your job as the person who's confronting them is to be honest this is about speaking the truth about what they are doing and how it's affecting you. Don't speak for others unless you're in charge of others. Like if you are a parent, then you can speak for your children and say, hey, your brothers and sisters are being affected this way. But if you're an adult, don't speak for another adult. You talk for you. Here's how it's affecting me. Don't say, here's how it's affecting us. This is how it's affecting me and be very clear about how it's affecting you. Don't be afraid to be um, um, emotional. They need to see your emotion. They need to see the tears in your eyes. They need to, to experience. If you're angry, they need to experience the intensity of your anger. It doesn't mean that you act the anger out. You just say, I am so upset I could spit. You know, you, you share that with them because remember, they're numb. And so you're trying to model for them emotion because they would feel angry too if they would take responsibility for what they're doing. But because they're so numb, they don't experience it like that. They don't, they don't experience the emotion. So model that for them. You also need to validate their emotions and yours. Again, listen to the podcast on validation. Um, and what your concerns of where they're headed. You've got to tell them, I'm really concerned that if you continue this behavior, this is where you're going to go or this is what's going to happen. Let them know about your boundaries. If you continue, then I will not be able to be in your life. Or um, this behavior must stop or there will be no more money. You know, whatever it is that you're concerned about, share that with them and also let them know about your boundaries. Express your compassion and your love for them often while you're confronting them. Tell them, I love you. And the reason I'm doing this is because I love you. And they're going to be like, yeah, right. People who love me don't talk to me like this. And you can say, that's not accurate. People who love you are the ones that actually do talk to you like this. The people that don't love you don't care what happens to you. But I do. And I'm willing to confront you even though you may cut me off for the rest of your life. Hold your boundaries. Now, here's how you want to think about boundaries. You don't want to join them in their distortion. You want them to join you in reality. So let them know, here's how you're going to show up. Here's what reality looks like for you. And you no longer will be joining them in their distortion. So, for example, if um, I have somehow been enabling them, I need to really look closely at the way I'm enabling you and put some boundaries around that. I mean, depending on what the conflict is and how egregious the behavior of the person is, 
I might need to cut off all connections with you. Like I can't talk to you, I can't see you, I'm cutting off the money, the car, the, you know, the, the phone, the whatever. Some people need to go to that extreme because the person is just so far out of control. And um, there's everything from that extreme to, um, you know, not cutting off anything, but just talking to them and seeing if they'll come around. But you cannot be a co-conspirator with their distortion of reality. If you are in any way, shape, or form facilitating, enabling, supporting them to stay in distortion, you must stop. You must stop. If you're providing them a house or cars or money or phones or computers or, or even emotional, like, you know, you enable them. They call up and they are, you know, are really nasty to you on the phone and you just say, you know, it really hurts my feelings when you talk to me like that. And that's all you say, and the person's like, oh, whatever. You're pathetic. And it's like, ow, that hurts my feelings. And, and you never put a boundary up that says, hey, it's not okay for you to talk to me this way, and if you're going to continue, I will be getting off the phone. That's a boundary of strength and honesty and asking them to be respectful to you. Because if you don't ask to be respected, they're not going to respect you. Because remember, they don't feel. So they live in the reality with you. You don't go into their reality. You invite them to come into your reality where there's honesty, where there's respect and there's dignity and there's, there's compassion and there's love and there's giving and there's compromise, okay? That's what you're inviting them into. Now, here are some things that hinder people from being able to do this, okay? Like I talked about before. The things that make us not be able to be, you know, be able to confront our loved ones is our own shame and our own fear. And if these two things are present, um, you've got to address them before you start confronting these people because they know if you're afraid and they will manipulate the heck out of your fear. Like, let's say that I, um, let's say that one of my fears is that my, my child is going to kill themselves. Guess where they're going to go? You take my car away from me, I'm going to kill myself. And right there, you're frozen in your tracks. You don't know what to do. And so it's like, okay, all right, don't, don't do that. Okay, so how can we negotiate the car? And you find yourself um, supporting them in ways that you don't believe in because they've just manipulated the fear in you. And so though this is incredibly difficult, you must get to a position where you will not bow to their demands, even if they end up killing themselves. Because the truth is, they are not going to change just because you give them what they want. If they're going to take their life, they're going to take their life. But they don't get to hold you hostage. Um, and remember that they are not you. So many people look at their own circumstances in life and think, oh my gosh, I can't do this because when I was that age, my parents did this to me and then I reacted this way and so I can't do this to them because they're going to react this way. Remember, they're not you. They didn't have the same upbringing you did. Okay? Um, so again, those circumstances are different. What is the, sa the same in every conflict is that there's no, re no responsibility there's dishonesty, there's no hum humbling or vulnerability, and no one, no matter what they've done, 
or what they've been through gives them permission to retaliate on another person. They get to heal whatever's happened to them. If they've been traumatized, they get to heal that. They do not get to say, well, you know, I'm just going to repeat this cycle because somebody did this to me, so now I have a right to do it to somebody else. They do not get to do that. And if you have sympathy for the fact that they've had some kind of horrible trauma happen to them and you do not hold them accountable for the fact that they um, now want to perpetrate on someone else or act out their anger on someone else because you feel so bad that this happened, if you feel that way about them, then they're going to be out of control and they'll be out of control the rest of their lives until someone intervenes and says, listen, I understand that this went on in your life. You know, you were um, adopted and you're angry or you were sexually assaulted by your brother and we can heal that and we can address that and I can show all sorts of upset around what has happened to you and you do not get to react and hurt other people because that was your experience. So one more point before we wrap up. The truth is this. Our spirits need truth. We need honesty. We need to know we're responsible for our thoughts, our feelings, our choices. We need to know and learn how to be humble and vulnerable. Those characteristics are what create health and peace inside us. Until I can get there and understand how to live those principles, I won't heal. These are the antidotes, if you will. It's the anti-serum that actually heals a human soul. And you've got to know that as the person confronting so that you can offer that and invite them to learn those kind of um, characteristics themselves. They, um, they intuitively will resonate with those things. Um, but they have to get their shame out of the way because their shame is what's um, clouding uh, their ability to really see their accountability in all of this. Now, that will be their choice. It will be their choice to either stay stuck or to listen to what you have to say, listen to your invitations to come into reality, come into truth, come into responsibility. It will always be their choice, and they will either choose one direction or the other. Um, and remember, if they start threatening and you react to their threats, you are only causing them to become more and more sick, more and more disconnected. They have to realize that threat will not bode for them, not with you. And that if they choose to do something drastic like run away or take their lives or those kind of things, you have to be willing to let them go. And here's where the principle of surrender comes in. Um, I have podcasts on surrender. You've got to let people go. Because you cannot stop them. They are responsible for them and only them. So they may choose to live in chaos for years and years and years. But what they have to understand is that if they choose that, they are going to choose to live in chaos by themselves because you will not be joining them anymore. And if they would like to choose another path, another option, one where there's accountability and honesty and validation and where there's boundaries and, and um, humility, then you would be able to negotiate and uh, be available for them. So the takeaway from this is everyone resonates with being honest, responsible, and humble. Everyone. But some of us are so numb that we don't remember 
we don't recognize that our spirits really need that. And so if you're in the process of getting ready to confront someone, someone you love, remember that you have to get clear about your own shame and realize that no matter what the confrontation is, there's always at the core of every confrontation is shame and this victim inside them that says, because of this, I can do whatever I want. And that is what you're confronting. You're not confronting, you know, the fact that I um, got fired from my job or the fact that, you know, someone cheated on me or the fact that I feel betrayed. You are confronting this victim inside that person. And the victim inside them needs to be talked to straight and direct and clear and with boundaries and with honesty and invite them to come in and be accountable for their choices about their behavior. And at the same time as you're doing all of that, you must, must, must validate them because the validation is what makes them pliable to listening to all that feedback about the things that they need to look at, their behaviors. All right, this has been a, a long podcast, but very, very important. Um, I hope that this has been helpful. If you have any additional questions uh, around certain situations, if you will write to me at connectionsclassroom.com, you can pose your questions right there on the front page, and I will answer those on upcoming podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. And between now and next time that we talk, stay connected. Stay connected to honesty and being accountable for your own self. And we will talk to each other soon. Bye-bye. We so appreciate you and your support in spreading this crucial message to your family, your friends, and your coworkers. Your greatest compliment to us would be for you to refer your loved ones to the podcast and classes at connectionsclassroom.com. Please go on to YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram and follow us for continual education, motivation, and truth. Stay connected, my friends.